Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks. After a few fierce battles, our heroes have finally cleared out the cave system near Carlton's old home of South Crypt, dispatching some of the fierce monsters that had taken up residence inside. Now the group of kobolds coming to take the area over as their new home will find it safe and secure. With several more days before the kobolds arrive, our heroes have some time to rest and decide what to do next. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Obo Crazy. I am just drinking water with a lot of lemon in it because I literally just got off playing Heroes of the Veil where I play Orkira and I do this voice for two hours and I did a lot of warm up beforehand. And so I always have water with lemonade and I didn't really have enough time to make another drink before this. So I'm, I'm just drinking a lot of lemon juice. Bernie would be proud. Speaking of Bernie, what are you drinking? Uh, I, too, am drinking water, mostly because this is a fun and interesting fact about my life. I get really carsick. Oh. Yeah, I get, I get like, heart, heart. Like, it's not like I don't vomit, but I'm just, like, just horribly nauseated. And so uh, something strange I discovered is that if I drink before I'm going, like, a long road trip, usually long, like, trips or anything, I'm fine. Drinking the night before, like, getting on a plane usually makes me feel horribly carsick and stuff. So we're going to a friend's wedding tomorrow, and we have to fly to get there. And uh, I am going to just be drinking water tonight. Y'all remember Laura Ingalls Wilder? V- vaguely. Yeah. Little House on the Prairie. You remember Mr. Edwards? He was like, that's God's ale. And then you, like, realize as <laughs> an adult all the, like, weird libertarian and Ayn Randian shit that her daughter put in there that wasn't really in her life story. But that's neither here nor there. There's also some racism in those books. But that's what I think of when I think of, like, drinking water for this podcast. That's all right. That is okay. You know who else might be drinking water? Although we'll find out what he's actually drinking. Carlton, what are you drinking? I'm drinking sparkling water. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, Dasani Tropical Pineapple. Ooh, that's yeah, pineapple good. does sound really and good. It's very tasty. Is it God's Ale tier? <laughs> uh, no, it's not God's Ale tier. Uh, it's a uh, goddess of creation tier. Mm, not bad. Close enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's delicious. Travancore, what are you drinking and do you have God's Ale tier? Good people of Ernakulum. I mean Faerun. Travancore's <laughs> choice this evening is Limka. Now, this is one of those things I've only ever seen in India, so I don't know if it's actually an Indian soda or if it's just not available in the U.S., but uh, I haven't had this in a few years. Actually, my wife picked it up from the local after years of living in in, uh, in Delaware County and not having a decent Indian grocery store within like 20 minutes of me. They open one up uh, 10 minutes down the road. It's called Achayans. I'm giving them a little bit of a free shout out here. Means like respected uncle in, in Malayalam. So let's try this Limpa out and see if my childhood remembers. And even though there, you would think there's some... Uh, like synergy with uh with Queen Bay and, and lemons and stuff. Yeah. But uh as the label clearly says, contains no fruits. Contains so. no fruits. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't try to hide it. It's just like guess what? Yeah, you texted me this and I I had no clue what it was. Oh, it's actually yeah, Limka's good is better than Sprite. Oh my gosh. I was wondering. Is that what you would compare it to? Would be a sprite? Yeah, it's like a lemon lime, like a seven up, basically. Oh yeah, that's the, the oh, picture yeah. I sent. Yeah. Huh. The so label little- looks like a 70s-ish, 60s, 70s-ish Sprite. Although apparently it is a quality product of the Coca-Cola company, but I'm guessing it's one of their international products that you don't see stateside unless you go to a specialty store. Probably. Like my wife did. There you go. And finally, Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Match Muscular. And tonight I am joining the sober crowd because I wasn't feeling very good earlier, so I am recovering a little bit. It is just iced tea. That's it. So no fireball shot tonight because, you know, fireball's a little alcoholic. Wait, are we all teetotaling today? We are all teetotaling. It's a total teetotal. Episode title. Total teetotal episode title. (laughs) (laughs) And if we all die, it's teetotal party kill. 
<laughs> oh, Wait, <what>? nice. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's all die on the RP episode. <laughs> let's, let's all die on the short episode that we're creating. So we had to move this episode to, to, to get out of the way of life things. And so that's one of the many reasons that all of us are, are not drinking alcohol. But you know what? That's okay. Because we, we, we're dungeon drunks, as in we've, we've drunk things. Yeah. There, I tried to... Nope, it doesn't matter. You also I don't, care. don't, like, honestly, I do not need a drink to have fun with you guys. Nope. Exactly. No. D&D is all I need. And with that, let's play some D&D. So, the last time we got together, there was a, a pretty epic, very disturbing battle in a cave with a giant snake, which you defeated. And we're fast-forwarding a tiny bit to several moments later as you are exiting the cave because i'm gonna say just for the sake of expediency you've searched the whatever the remains are of the things that you've destroyed didn't find anything the snake itself dissolved into nothing there's really nothing to find it seems that these creatures used the water elevator that has been created thanks to this uh, hole in the ground being wait 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 water elevator or did it yes just that's swim? what carlton called it last time this yes. i missed that how did i miss what Car- i'm sorry i'm retroactively bernie's like carlton water elevator you know it's just like if you're at the bottom you just swim up that's right not- but now they can go from the top to the bottom and then you know and they don't hurt when they fall that's not none of that is how an elevator works so i mean like if there was no water there then they wouldn't have they would have had to climb but since yes. there was water there they could just swim, swim up swim they're swimming this is not a, an elevator implies you're not doing any of the labor hey that that snake looks very buoyant to me i mean to, depending on their biology they may just have to float up not everything hey listen floats. we all float down here i've not seen either of those i just i i'm old school i I've, I've but seen you get the, the reference oh uh, yeah yeah, for some reason, as you are all exiting and you have to go back under the water and, and to the other side, which you're familiar with how to do now, and I'm not going to make you roll and do things again. There's Carlton, you could have sworn you saw something like a red balloon floating down in the oh, water. Dear. <laughs> oh, no. Pennywise is oh. a CR 30 monster. We see a red, we see a red flump come down, and it's not a nice flump. <laughs> no, it's the worst flump. It's the, the most horrible flump. Penny you flump. all, yeah, you all make it out of the cave and feeling pretty good about clearing everything out into the bitter chill of later in the day. It is still kind of a relatively nice day. You know that it's probably going to be several more days before the kobolds arrive. And all you think is that you just need to stick around until Aras arrives with them to hand the proverbial keys over before you can take off. So you have several days at this point to hang out and do what you will. What would you like to do while you wait for the troop? I think that the first thing that Jonathan the Magimuscular wants to do on his way out, he is going to use uh, one of his last spell slots to cast Sending because he's that the, the fact that that thing did not seem to mind dying and and seemed to say something that implied that this wasn't it wasn't finished it's kind of it's kind of bothering him so he is going to try and who was the person that Thontorvac that we were getting the the bardic instrument for Thontorvac wasn't it Balana Zadok? No, no, no. The person at the... Uh... <laughs> Balana Zadok is the research coordinator at the at the Amethyst Acropolis with the Martial Order Magistrate Protector. She's the one who gave you the assignment to go and wanted it back. And Bernie kind of persuaded slash bullied into being able to keep it. I prefer bully. All right. Also, I, mean, I was willing I think, to go either way. I think it's just being borrowed at this point. Or per bullied. Persuaded bully. Per bullied. Basically, we yeah. gave we gave up we we gave up our payment to rent this thing. Okay, I'm, yeah, the real estate agent in me wants to think that Jules has a life estate to the to the instrument right now, and upon her passing, we'll eventually go to the right place. So it might be a couple take a couple centuries to get where it's supposed to go, but precisely, I like this. 
I like It's the this. longest of cons. <laughs> <laughs> the shortest long con. I feel like it's like, you know, like, when you've got, like, an old person that comes into your house and just takes something like it's theirs now, and you're like, no, no, that wasn't, and they just take, and you're just like, I can't say anything. Bernie's got that weird, like, I'm a, I, I belong to a deity, and I just, I think this is my friend, and it's like, I wasn't prepared for that answer. I, I will be honest, Jonathan the Magic Muscular and Jonathan the the actual player feels a little anxiety because it's like we never actually finish that mission <laughs> because the the instrument is not where it was supposed to go. We so as Birdie's walking around, he's like nervous. He's just like, he's a little on edge. Yeah, especially after all that swimming in very cold water while it was just hanging out on back on the back of your gnome friend. Well, it's magic. It should be fine. But still, yeah. I mean, it's magic in... A lot of people are after it. Yeah, just think of it as Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to message uh, or sending to Balana Zadok, and he is going to ask her some some Naga-related questions. Sure. All right, basically he's going to be like, uh, Greetings, it's Jonathan the Magic Muscular. Ran into a Naga. It promised to come back. Is that a thing? Is that it? I believe that's 25, that's 25-ish words, so yeah. Okay, I, I wanted to make sure. I wasn't counting, I just, because I just don't. Okay, there's a moment, and then she replies, well, it depends on the type, but yes, they can come back. They usually reappear where their lair is. Exactly. Barking snakes are terrifying, by the way. That's like Kogazoon's like. And with that, Jonathan, go ahead and roll me an Arcana check. I think that's uh, 18. Okay. With this information and with that 18, you don't think where you fought the Naga was its lair. You, you have a vague idea, especially when it comes to very powerful creatures like that, but mostly dragons. That a creature in its lair are usually not only more powerful, but they have extra things they can do. And you don't remember seeing anything else. Like, you can kind of rationalize away now that you know how it was invisible and how it was doing some of the other stuff it was doing. You can kind of rationalize that it seemed to be doing everything and there weren't effects happening in the world. So whether or not where its lair is, you don't think the cave was its lair. All right, uh, so Jonathan the Magic Muscular kind of puzzles them out, puzzles that out, and as we're kind of leaving the cave, uh, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is like, um, so about that Naga, I, uh, I, I messaged uh, uh, Master Zadok about uh, about it, and it'll be back. Uh, here? I don't think so. Like Jonathan the Magic Muscular felt like it did a lot of stuff. But it's not like the cave was doing it to us. Like, when we fought... have Actually, have we ever fought a monster that had layer actions? Yes. Oh, no, the... The, the Belhaneth. The Belhaneth, I believe, did. Okay. Did the Rot Demon as well? Maybe. Okay. So... I can't remember offhand, but let's say yes. Okay. <laughs> so... Remember when we fought the, uh, like, the Balhaneth and the Rot Demon? Like, they yeah. affected the room they were in. Like, like weird shit happened there. Yeah. There was, there could have been more weird shit if we had been fighting that thing in its lair. So, the problem is that Jonathan the Magic Muscular has no idea where, like, its lair would be. But Balana said that it would probably be a few days. And then, I mean, who knows where that thing came from. So, um, Jonathan the Magimuscular kind of has a nemesis now. You have a, a, a nemesis? It's your nemesis? I think so. I mean, it was pretty pissed at me. I have a nemesis from back home, but I never tried to kill her. Well, I think there's going to be some mutual murder uh, in store for our relationship. All right. I mean, I think that's that's fair. That's fair, but... You're going to need to stock up on diamonds if you're into mutual murder. Mm. I mean, I plan, you know, Jonathan the Magimuscular has made a lot of plans. 
some of them that I don't really like talking about. I mean, Jonathan the Muscular doesn't like talking about it. He, you, you tell, he like, kind of quickly corrects himself. But this was something that I had never accounted for. So Jonathan the Muscular is going to have to reconsider some of his, some of my abilities. Uh, but what, what we're not reconsidering is this. Excuse me for a sec. And Jonathan the Muscular is going to trot to, like, an area by the trees. And he's going to start doing a ritual. And at the end of the ritual, he goes... He stretches his arms out and then whoop, and a dome appears. Around all of us? Around him? Around like t- a 10 foot radius around Jonathan the Muscular. Like a <laughs> tiny hut? Uh, I mean, you don't, I don't, I don't know that anyone knows it's called that, but uh, Jonathan the Muscular strides out of it and says, look, we, they, if we don't want to go to the pocket house, we can stay in here. It's relatively camouflaged. Nothing can get in that I don't allow. And it's better than just sleeping outside. And for the purposes of making sure that everything is okay, Jonathan doesn't actually stride out of it. He sticks his upper torso out and talks to you through the Oh, hunt. right, right, yeah. I guess I guess I'm here for for the duration. He just sticks his head out and like tells you all of this and you can't see inside this this dome. <laughs> You've made some sort of magic yurt. Are we tiny house people now? When we don't want to be actual house people. I figure it's a good uh it's a good go in between, you know, for the times when we're not at an at an inn that we like. We're not able to get to the the pocket house, but we don't want to sleep, you know, just bare ass vulnerable out in the wild. Hmm. Huh. I actually came up with this while uh, when we were fighting those uh, those Alhoons. One of them cast a spell that I was kind of working on, which I can also do. But this is kind of a lower power version of that. It lasts longer and uh, and is easier to cast. Cool. I was planning on going to the pocket house tonight, but this is really awesome. Yeah. Can we? Is there a bed? We we can definitely do the pocket house. We haven't been there in a while. This yeah. was just more of Jonathan the Magic Muscular showing it, showing off one of his okay. tricks. I didn't want to say that I'm not grateful for you offering us your tiny yurt. Yes, but <laughs> magic yurt. Magic yurt. About Jonathan the Magic Muscular's it. tiny yurt. The yep. miniature, <laughs> the muscular miniature magic yurt. The much the miniature Magic Muscular magic yurt. The miniature Magic Muscular yurt. Okay. The mi- miniature man Magic Muscular yurt. I love oh, it. Oh, that, that branding may or may not take off. Thanks, businessman Travancore from 100 episodes ago. <laughs> 4M Yurt. I'm going to call it the 4M Listen, Yurt. it depends on if you can actually say it or not. If you can say it, then I think it's going to take off. Oh, Common's my second language, so yeah, 4M <laughs> Yurt works. Does Travancore have an accent in Common? Mm, no, I just think that, well, arguably Philadelphia, but it's the only accent I think in character I want to have. Maybe the, like, Phillyishness is, like, yeah. like, we don't know what Common actually, it's like, I think it's generally, like, we all are American English speakers. Yeah. And, like, if we were all British people, Common would have a British accent to it. And, like, I just, it's... Yep. Maybe, maybe Common sounds like something in, in you know, Travancore. Maybe the American Philadelphia accent is the accent he speaks. Yeah, so you'll occasionally hear words like, like, bagel or crick. Or maybe or water. it's, maybe water. it's a, a water. Common. Water, water like, yes. Water's deep. Library. Library is another one. Yeah, Travancore may say John once in a while. (laughs) Okay, who are the Johns in the (laughs) Faerunian universe? I'm curious to know. Are they goblins, orcs, you know, humans? Who who would qualify as a John? Yes. Okay. Crawford's a John. (laughs) What's a John? That John. John. John's just sort of an all-purpose Okay, because you need to clarify, because from what I understand... (laughs) No, not not someone who solicits a prostitute, no. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, okay, good. I, <laughs> I, I know where you're going. We're on the same way. J-A-W-N, John. Jet. I mean, it's like, so it's like, it's also, what is it? Um, on pause with it right now, but I've been taking French, and I've been taking French, and it's France French, ironically, what they teach in school systems in Canada, but like, if but I- But Quebecois is something completely like, different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and Gatanese is very interesting. But no, a John Patois. would just be like yeah. a guy. Yeah. But I think maybe it's one of those things like you learned your common from someone who speaks the way you sound and you speak common fluently. Like you're maybe your te- it's your second language, but you're close to a true bilingual and and but it's like your parent, you know, it's like my my, you know, 
you got a friend whose parent is France French, their French is France French. We got a pa- friend whose parent is from Quebec City. Mm. It's their French is going to have that accent. So it's like, yeah, he doesn't have an accent, but he sounds like a group of people somewhere in Faroon from wherever his common teacher was. Because yeah. that's how his common teacher pronounced all these words. So peeling back the curtain a little bit, uh, I would say in canon, Travancore was taught common by uh, Sri Balak Bonaventure, who was like his teacher, tutor, and mentor. He's been referenced in the letters and stuff like that. And his name is inspired by a guy named Father Bonaventure, who was a Manlankara priest who passed away 10 years ago. He's from India, but he came to Brooklyn in the 60s, and he'd been there so long by the time I was a kid that he sounded like, like a guy from Brooklyn. Well, there you go. So is your person just slightly adapted to be a thick Philly? Yeah, yeah. So Sri Balak Bonaventure for whatever reason, has acquired that accent. And, and lives on in, in our fun little D&D game. Yeah. In, in a backstory. I love it. You're welcome, Father B. Aww. Father B. Aw, that's cute. I feel like Jonathan the Magic Muscular's draconic is like a northern draconic. So it's sort of like northern, you know, British English, where it's like lots of nuhs and uh, nuh and snuh and like, like Ygrette and the Wildlings. Very northern. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nothing. You know, nothing. You know, nothing to like, uh, me. Uh, um, what's his face from uh, Great British Bake Off? It's overworked. I, I need to watch that. <laughs> oh. Jeez. Considering how prevalent <laughs> in, Paul Hollywood. in Faerun and on the Sword Coast being multilingual is, like, that is, that, that's kind of, to use common, it's common. People have at least common and a different language, either their home language for whatever their race is, or if they've traveled a lot or if they've studied. That's that's a thing that would be nice in, in the real world and is just true in the fantasy world. Is yeah. People speak more than one language and apparently they're just better at it. India is basically like that. Yeah. I took my first French lesson today. French lesson today. Oh, wow. But yeah, like India is the same ways. Not to get too far off of it. I mean, so you have your state language, you have national languages is supposed to be Hindi, but also English. So, but there are people who grew up in metropolitan areas where, you know, people from all over there, they'll just be native Hindi speakers. And a lot of the North is like that way. Yeah. Interesting. Today we learned a thing. Anyway, are you staying in a hut or are you going somewhere else? I'm going to the house. <laughs> Next, we can talk about whose language is a pigeon language and who is a true Cre- a Creole language. Well, that all depends on how good your DM is at accents, and she's not. So. <laughs> well, no, like, so like, a, like that's the like we think of Creole. We think of something very specific, but like, yeah, Creole is more general term. Mm. Yeah, there's the, the, the anthropological term. See, linguistics is fun, but I'm bad at languages. Yeah, yeah. I, I linguistics really, is super so, fun. Again, tangenting in the expanse, <laughs> the Belters have their own version of Creole English, and when they subtitle it, I. I trying to remember where i was watching it but when i think it was amazon prime when i watched it they subtitled it belter creole that's cool yeah i I love if you haven't watched the expanse yet i recommend it because it's all on amazon prime and it is fantastic sci-fi i still gotta get through dark crystal okay but oh i know i know i know i know know. (laughs) okay we We will have another podcast i love hup okay all right So it is late afternoon. If you did want to rest in the tiny hut or rest in your pocket house or do something else, you still have probably another hour or two of daylight and then it would be the end of the day. So you kind of can decide on whatever you want to do. Bernie's going to bury the body of the dwarves. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Magic Muscular will help. The dwarf down. She needs help. Yeah, I'll help you dig that grave. She needs, and she's, and uh, she's going, Moradin was the god, right? Yep. Yes. Yes. While they are digging the grave, she is going to try to kind of like, it's like kind of like trying to remember something you've forgotten. And she's going to like sit there and try to like piece out everything she remembers about Moradin and general things. Bernie, if you tell me what to say, I can speak it in their tongue. Yes, that would be very helpful. I can, you tell me the prayers and I can recite it in the dwarven tongue. So here's what I want. Bernie, uh, why don't you give me a religion check with advantage? Because while Moradin wasn't your your field of study, obviously, uh, but you're well-rounded with a lot of the, the, the major gods. And hearing Carlton speak the language of the god you're thinking about helps you remember some of the prayers because you had to look at the translations, essentially. Okay, 15. Yeah, you can remember enough of the you you can't remember it in dwarvish 
but you can remember enough of the basic last rites to feed some lines to Carlton and do something that you feel is is fairly respectful for these these dwarves, the 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 bodies that you've recovered from the from the caves. And with everybody's help, even though the ground is frozen, it doesn't take too long to find an out of the way place, dig some some graves and take care of that. It only takes about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. The sun is still is starting to set at this point, but you can definitely give these dwarves a respectful last rite. I'm trying to figure Julia is going... <laughs> Julia the human now has to look up Moradin on Wikipedia. <laughs> so uh, you know can... what? I'll, in order, unless you want to do something specific, I, I'm more than happy to hand wave that away and say that you just did it and that was fine. I, yeah, I was trying to think of like a prayer. I was trying to be like, what are his icons? I... That's okay. Like if you want to, we can go down that road. But if you would like to just, I, I'm more than happy to say you did it and it was it was very respectful. I feel like what she would say is she would, I always found it interesting that a lot, and I think this is maybe like also a conversation to have later about this idea of like how much we westernize Dungeons and Dragons and how colonized it is, because I feel like dwarves are often like associated a little bit with like Viking culture, which I would oft, I would be interested in a take on uh, a mining culture from a non-white civilization. Uh, but I, I have, uh, you know what we're going to do? They're in the Underdark, so we're going to do a West Virginia take on this. And okay. uh, we're going to do... I was going to say, because all my dwarves end up being New Yorkers, so if you wanted a more cosmopolitan, from anywhere type of, of society... And and you do know that dwarves in general, they value hearth and home, they value hard work, they value family, they value their clan above themselves. They have a lot of, like, when you were thinking about this earlier, especially uh, with, with your goddess, there's a lot of crossover between your beliefs and your goddess's beliefs and, you know, in Moradin. So it would actually feel very comfortable for Bernie to, to give these rights. I was thinking about... The, the, there's this really weird southern tradition of songs about death that like tell this bat like basically death ballads okay <laughs> so i was thinking about those but i was also thinking about like long traditions of epic poetry so i think the thing that she's trying to think of is like there should be a song like there should be a song and i think she's gonna translate for carlton i don't think it's gonna rhyme in common but i think the just gist of the song is about Heroes coming home, and all the hammers in the hall stop ringing, and all the hearts light. And, like, she doesn't know a lot of it, and so she's mumbled. She's, like, she's, like, filling in the blanks for Carlton, and she's lighting candles, and Carlton is translating as best he can. Carlton, are you trying to sing what she is giving to you, or are you reciting? Uh, at first, I'm just, like, repeating it, and then I realize, oh, wait, this is supposed to be in, like, song form? So I try to like put a little tune into it, like far over the misty mountain goal. Except and we won't sing none. anymore because yeah. that's the proprietary because song. But yeah, <laughs> yep, Carlton. So you recite, and then you realize in the middle of this, and you sing, mm-hmm. and uh, you are all kind of impressed. Like Carlton, he's got a, a pretty good voice. I just gotta hit the right notes, you know. <laughs> I gotta find my range. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's you're doing the the rest. It's it's almost as though you are reciting poetry, so it's a little less outright song because you're trying to stay you're trying to stay somber throughout all of this, and so it's got a gravitas to it that everybody kind of ac- appreciates. And then Bernie's gonna hand you a, a candle at the end of it and tell you to blow it out. I do so, and then I say in Dwarvish, "You can kill a dwarf, but you can never vanquish one." I think that's the end. We did a good religion, guys. Hmm. <laughs> You did a very respectful religion. What would you like to do for bed? Or for the end of the day? I'm gonna... You wanna pop the pocket house in my house? And then that way we're kinda... The pocket house is covered? Sure. Yeah, okay. Bernie's not going to go to bed. Bernie's going to observe a tradition in her own religion, which is um, more like a wake, except you just stay up in the dark with the soul of the dead. Okay. Are you doing this in your room? Are you doing this? I'm assuming you've all entered. No, she's sitting next to the graves. <laughs> oh, so you're staying outside the pocket house. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Travancore notices Bernie doing this, and he's gonna keep her company if she's okay with it. Yeah, she's okay. Okay. Do you stay out the whole night? All night, man. Yep. Got my camp set up outside. So, you are undisturbed, and for those of you who want to go to sleep in the pocket house, you you do get a long rest now, because the next couple of days are going to go by without incident, I will say, you will eventually get some long rests. Three Azamar and a Tiefling are sent to a strange new world on a divine mission. Trouble is, when they arrive, none of them can remember what the mission is, and only one of them has any interest in the god that sent them. Join Briathos, Bizdira, Kit, Flick, and DM Jazzy Hands as they play matchmaker with kobolds, assassinate Yuan-Ti political figures, and completely, if accidentally, disrupt the delicate equilibrium of the world they found themselves in. Reviewers call it a patchwork of beautiful storytelling, immersive roleplay, and a healthy sprinkling of humorous banter. The Last Refuge is a weekly D&D actual play podcast set in a completely original world. Check us out at dndlastrefuge.com. Happy gaming, y'all. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official, free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game available on PC and Mac on Steam and Web, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, iPad, iPhone, and on all the Android devices. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the podcast, and it is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from the Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Force Grey, and more. It's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have, And speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folk who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now, this code expires on October 6th, 2019 at 8pm Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem it once this episode is posted. Open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. H-E-P-S-W-A-B-S-U-N-C-I So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Over the the course of these next couple of days, as you wait for the kobolds and their their guide to arrive, what would you like to do? Uh, While I'm in the pocket house, first I got to inspect our our buddies, our our robo-buddies. So I call them to attention. All right, right. and I I give them the, the once over. And I, I say, you good? Blink once for yes. Uh, they all blink once. All right, good. But I do need you to roll a investigation check. Three! They're fine. They blinked. They must be fine. Yeah, I told them to blink if they were okay, and they did. <laughs> I'm actually going to uh, check on my garden and harvest some of the vegetables so that I can give the seeds to the kobolds for once we're out of winter so that they can get, start farming. Sure. Yeah, you spend a little bit of time. Doesn't take too long. Uh, you get a nice selection. It's not going to be a huge initial harvest for them because obviously you've you've planted for like the four of you, but it's it's certainly a nice start and it's got a nice variety of stuff to it. And it's so, a nice gesture. Absolutely. All right. What else would anybody like to do over these next couple of days? Travancore is going to try his hand at wild shaping as a bunch of different animals. Bernie's going to watch and she's going to make name puns about all Actually, of them. Actually, hey, Travancore. Yeah. I, I, have you seen, I mean, I know you've seen blue, but have you seen uh, like wild direwolves? Not other than blue, I don't think I have. Are you able to still speak with animals? Uh, yeah. I can still speak with animals. Do you want some company on this trip? Because I need to go talk to some wolves. Um, yeah, if you don't mind me walking in as not me on the way over there, so I can get some, some wild shape time practicing. Bernie shouts out, Direcore! <laughs> Direcore. Because <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go try to find my pack and let them know kobolds are not food. Mm. Oh, that's a really good idea. And then let the kobolds know wolves are not food. <laughs> okay. Travancore, are you turning into a dire wolf or are you turning into a wolf? I don't know. I can't. I think I can turn into direwolf, so there's no reason I can't. But I think before I get there, I'll probably change back into something else. It's not just disrespect direwolves as being a pretender. So I would say all of you would know that if you're looking for wolves, being a direwolf is mm, probably not a good idea. They are different enough. Yeah. Uh, and I think you've seen both, so you'd be able to to wild shape into either. 
Alright, um, yeah, Travancore is just gonna turn into a wolf. Okay. Does, uh, what, what circle is Travancore, just out of curiosity? Oh gosh, what was it? Circle of the Moon, I want to say? Oh yeah, you can here. definitely do a direwolf if you have want. Have you, how many, um, levels of druid do you have? Let's see, I'm only two levels in. Because I remember picking it. Okay. <laughs> so, Bernie, you're sitting around outside watching as Carlton and, and Travancore chat for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, Travancore... Describe turning into a wolf and what do you look like? Alright, for whatever reason, I like the idea of Travancore holding both of his palms together like this and bowing his head and then having ripples form under him and then having his shape transform. And, uh, you know, as far as wolves go, gosh, I'm I'm trying to remember if Ace London from Tailspin was a wolf or not, but I don't think he was. But the fact that I even know who Ace London of Tailspin is, like, was like a very braggadocious, like, pilot character, but don't remember whether he was a wolf or not. I'm going to say, you know, let's go, let's go Kipling because, you know, despite the complications of it, I'm a big Kipling fan. So yeah, he turns into something not too dissimilar from, uh, from, gosh, what was his name? One of the wolves from the Jungle Book. It's been like 30 years since I've read it. So simple okay. gray, gray wolf, nothing, nothing fancy. I like to imagine that since you're still like learning how to wild shape, every one of your animal forms has a little bit extra like fur in the yes. goatee shape. Yeah. Like Chippenmunk has a little extra fur. This like on the snoot of the wolf is a little extra goatee. <laughs> I, I love when druids like retain something in their wild shape. So that's always super cool. Yeah. So he's going to have a little bit of extra gray around that goatee too that looks like like more like Travancore gray than your standard gray wolf gray or maybe that part will be black and everything else will be gray this sort of <laughs> an inverse kind of thing but yeah yeah Travancore is definitely going to keep his flair yeah yeah a little bit of a uh, little intelligence not too much intelligence behind the eyes but just enough yeah to be dangerous um and so shadow kind of ponders on over as you change into your second wild shape ever and gives you a a sniff and then a cocked head at you and seems to (laughs) nod to himself and then seems to understand that maybe you're going somewhere that he probably shouldn't and turns around and goes and uh sits not next to bernie but close by well travancore the uh the wolf is gonna you know just sort of you know keep uh wolf and core yeah wolf and core travan wolf wolf and core another poll on that with Wolfencore in your party, Carlton, it it does, and especially since you are at least vaguely familiar from your history with where the normal paths and hunting grounds are for the wolves in this area, does not take you long to, in the distance, see uh, what looks like a small pack uh, that, that are trotting through the, the forest in front of you, maybe like seven or eight. No pups, all adults. And I'm right back to Travancore. Uh, okay. Yeah, I like tap him like... I- I'll sheathe, like, the sword and the shield, and then I'll, like, howl, and I'll, like, put my hand out, like, come, like, so they can sniff my hand so they can get my scent. They look at you, um, they'll approach, but they're not gonna come right up to you. These are not wolves, and and both of you can kind of tell this, these are not wolves that are used to hanging out with a half-orc or really any people, but there's something about the druid and the way that Carlton has howled at them, that they're a little more at ease and are willing to approach. Um, but they do not circle you like prey. They just kind of look at you from about 15, 20 feet away. And Travancore uses opportunity to cast speak with animals. Also known as the Disney princess spell. Is it just on you or on Carlton? I or think it's both? a self spell. Unless DM lets it be on both. Well, what does the spell say? Um, the spell is a self. If the spell is a self, then it would be on Dravencore. Yep. That's why I brought the, my translator. Yep. And uh, I'm like, what do you want to say to him, bud? Hello, brethren. It is I, the two-legged wolf. Okay. Dravencore is going to introduce himself verbatim and explain that he's speaking on behalf of the half-orc and then go into what, Tra- what Carlton said. Okay. We'll we'll make this easy. And Travancore, I want you to break in if during this conversation you are going to say anything different than what either the wolves or Carlton are saying. But until you tell me, I'm going to assume you're just translating verbatim. Yep. So Carlton, uh, one of the, the larger males looks at you from uh, amongst the pack and says, Okay, interesting. The I was part of the pack here many moons ago. Fine. Brother of Blue. It's not in our memories, but you seem honest. Yes. Uh, is the Alpha 
Can you take me to the Alpha? Maybe he remembers. <laughs> There's a moment where they all look at each other, and then the one that's been speaking, that has moved forward, is like, and? All right. People grow. Packs change. I understand that. Oh, Travancore specifically says beings change instead of people. So to be more PC. Good to know. As these are your woods and your hunting grounds, I approach you to let you know that the ruined town will be re-inhabited. They are friends, and we will let them know not to disturb the wolves. And we ask that the wolves not disturb the creatures, the kobolds. There can be harmony. Tiny lizards? Yeah, but their meat is terrible. Uh, Our concern is not their meat. Our concern are their hunting. That is a good concern. Uh, I am providing them with vegetables, but they will be hunting as well. But there should be enough to go around now that the rot has been cleared. And we hope that we can have peace between the wolves and the kobolds. Roll a persuasion check. Woo! If there's yeah! any time to get a natural 20, everybody. Oh, jeez. Lemka time. So that's a 21, because I only have a plus one to persuasion. You watch the, the wolves kind of look at each other, and then what Travancore eventually relays to you is that the alpha says, as long as they stay away from the south side during mating season, they should be fine. And I would know when that is, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I will make that explicitly clear that I'll bet if they go anywhere near there, one, they're not to go near there, but if they do, all bets are off and they are to become dinner. We protect our own. Exactly. But we also respect them to protect theirs. And I, knowing that he is the alpha, although he was not part of my pack, I kind of bow to show reverence to his status. Travancore will also bow. Uh, this seems to, at least, if not please, this seems to be what is expected. And there's a moment in where the, they continue to just stand there, and then it gives you a slight nod, and then they turn and the whole pack turns and silently moves back into the forest. Cool. That went well. Have a good day! Have you considered a career as a diplomat? I am really good with certain things, and wolves are one of them. Oh. So until there's a nation of wolves... So I have experience among their kind. You're going to pass your uh, wolf language test on the foreign service exam. There you there go. go. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll kind of mosey around while Travancore is practicing wild shapes. That way, if something amiss goes, I know you said there wouldn't, but if something amiss does go there, I'm there to protect them since uh, Shadow isn't. But then sure. I also, I would like to point out that after they left and after Jonathan the Magimuscular went off to do whatever Magimusculing he is doing today... Bernie scooches, uh, like, two feet towards the bear and reaches up and does a really awkward pat, pat, and then scooches back to comfort him for being left behind. Hey, Travancore, do you want to be a black bear when we show back up to the camp? Yeah, actually. Yeah, I really do. I was wondering when I was going to get my way around to it. I wonder I wonder how Shadow is going to react. Yeah, so I'm on a wild shape as a... Because, not, no, not only how is Shadow going to react, how's Bernie going to react? We, we gotta get a bard to record this reaction. And then Travancore remembers having a bear show up, like, remembering the trauma. He's like, this does not seem seem very sensitive. Oh, yeah, that's right. It wouldn't be funny. That'd be, that'd be mean. Yeah. Let's not do that. Let's not do yeah. that. Let's let her know ahead of time. No, nah, I think eventually it'll, it'll, it's gonna happen. We don't have to, we don't have to force it. What if we show back up as normal? Because this, then this won't be mean. Because we can still get Shadow's reaction. What if? And Bernie sees you, then you go into bear. Because then it won't be me, because she'll know it's you and not just random bear. Yeah, I think there's a time and a place for me to turn into a bear, and I don't think we're there yet. Um, mm, got it. Melee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that it, I'd be a lot more useful in combat as, as a bear. But I think I do want to turn into something. And for whatever reason, Travancore turns into a meerkat. Oh my god, <laughs> do you do the sure. thing? I'll say you've seen a meerkat. Just so you can Why stay not? on two feet and just walk like normal. <laughs> Do you do the thing? The Wait, if I get that, like, because I'm a half work with tusks, are we Timon and Pumbaa right now? <laughs> <laughs> you are! I don't know, like, I'll take your pick. Like, you can either do the whole, like, Kakuna Makata back and forth thing, or you can go, do 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 do
we have an episode title. There, we've got a couple of episode titles. All right, you return from your excursion, Bernie. You see that uh, what once was Carlton and a wolf is now Carlton and a meerkat. And I got down hearted every time that I. Oh, oh not not for hey, the Bernie. kid. Not for the Bernie. <laughs> you know, I. That's very special for both of you. Whatever. This, <laughs> wait, you just gestured to all of us. This is. I want to see if being a meerkat like gets any kind of reaction from the animals that we come back to, like Shadow or uh, or Coco Snoot, because they've seen one before. Uh, yeah, Coco Snoot has seen one before. Yeah, and I mean, Coco Snoot will will basically cue off of Bernie. Shadow will amble on over, sniff you, and then seem to know that you're you and reacts to you like shadow normally does jonathan are you nearby at this moment i'm not i'm out in the forest i'm inventing arcane high intensity interval training or a hit (laughs) as i call it so basically like he's like lifting a boulder and then putting it down and he's doing that 10 times and then he's like balancing on the boulder and like doing scissors and then he comes up and he does like two flames firebolt into the sky and 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 so forth and he comes he comes back after after an hour or so. He's like, oh, oh, Jonathan the Metamuscular hasn't had a workout like that in a while. And then Bucks actually sees Travencat. And <laughs> okay, it's not can't be Travencat because if you turn into a cat. Yeah. Mirkor. So he sees Mirkor and his owl instincts kind of like his claws dig in as his like he's he sees food. But wouldn't all the animals have seen a meerkat before. Oh, yeah, they have. Right. Yeah, they have. I mean, Coco Snoot's like looking. I feel like Bernie's like looking at Coco Snoot and looking at the meerkat. Can the, the animals can all kind of talk to each other without. And not, I mean, there's an instinct there that, that they all kind of have without any extra magic. They can't actually speak, but they're all smart enough to know in various ways not to actually attack. Coco Snoot kind of recognizes that Bernie, you are at ease. And so does not just kind of continues to sit there. Shadow recognizes Travancore pretty much no matter what form Travancore is in. And yet Bucks has that moment where he digs in and and thinks about it for a second. But then Bucks, being a celestial and smart enough, sees the company and figures it out. So and, and I'm guessing Mirkor would, would have enough uh, insight to see however restrained the predatory instincts and the various uh, sundry animals of our menagerie. And he'll turn back into Travancore. Bucks is going to fly over to you and perch on your shoulder and cock his head. Huh. How how long does Speak with Animals last? Is it still active or anything is worn off by now? It's your spell. Yeah, yeah. how long does you it last? You tell us. That's a good question. I should know this by now. I've only cast it a few times. Let's see. Ten minutes. So yeah, it's probably passed away by now. Yeah, I'm going to say with the, the tr- uh, looking for animals for you to be able to get a, a visual on them so you could turn into more stuff, it's been more than ten minutes. So. Okay. Bernie? Are you, so you're just like sitting there with everybody everybody's come back Bernie's very Bernie's interested to see how this plays out Bernie the sending stone where is it right now oh Bernie's got it doesn't she yeah you took it away from drunk Jonathan she took it from drunk Jonathan I think she put it in her like I didn't take it she gave it up when asked actually no Travancore took it back from Jonathan and then gave it to Bernie for safekeeping yeah Bernie still got it in her pocket uh you feel it oh no vibrate just a little bit and in your head, <laughs> oh, Lord. you hear a familiar voice as Thondorvrak sends you ascending through the stone. And you hear him say, Well, good evening. I was wondering if we could catch up at some point. Would you like to respond? Um, how, many, how many words do I have? You get 25. You do not have to respond. But you do know from the last time you examined the stone and all of that, that he knows you have possession of it and would have gotten the sending. But it's up to you whether you want to respond or not. Okay. Well, do you tell us that he... Hey, so here's something fun. Uh, Thotorvac is uh, on the phone. Jonathan, normally... You know, nice brown of skin color goes white. Um, just immediately. <laughs> he he wants to catch up. Can we say not now? Busy. Call you later. Um, I think we should maybe just ask him what his calendar is like. 
We are currently fulfilling a promise. Also, if we catch up with him, you can't have your your banjo. Yeah. Yeah, the banjo must be far, far away. He'll fight us for it. He'll kill us for it. So I don't know. I think at this point it would be a fight. We might we'd probably still lose, but I think we could stand up to him a little. Oh yeah. But he would have no qualms about killing us for it. Right. Is what I'm saying. All all the more reason to make sure it's safe. I mean, what we could do is just hold off on responding. He'll call again eventually. He might no, we could put I, it in the pocket house. He, he would uh, we could put it That's in a the really good idea. Because he's too fat to fit on the circle. He, is he though? He was a big boy. I know, uh, but he can squeeze. The safest place for the, the banjo is the Amethyst Acropolis. Bertie, you know, you have a limited amount of time to respond and you're starting to run low on time. Okay. Bernie's gonna respond. Julia's just trying to count the words and the easiest way to do that is type it up in Word document. And she has an idea of what she wants to say. She wants to make sure she's following the rules. How many? 25? 25. Yep. I just, I wanted to, since all that was in character, I wanted to let you know, but... You know, it's funny. My natural instinct as a live podcaster is to find a way to fill in the tree hole. But then now we're pre-recorded. You can just cut right to whatever she says. Yep. <laughs> so. yep. Okay. Bernie's going to respond. What's your calendar like in a week or so? We are fulfilling a request for some socially awkward friends. <laughs> <laughs> that is 19 words. Okay. Nice. Uh, you all know that this ending stone, once used, cannot be used again until the next day. So, um, we'll see what he says tomorrow. <laughs> you don't expect a response immediately back. And so, as you send this message off to your blue dragon acquaintance, we'll pause there. And the next time we get together, Jesus. it will be the next morning, as it's been now uh, long enough that you expect the next morning for Aras and the Kobolds. To finally arrive, and you can decide what to do next. But let me give you some experience for this this nice, cute little game that we just had, getting you from one place to another. First off, tiny house people. Ha! I like that. Also, magic yurt and whatever we're actually calling your your tiny hut, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I appreciate the dwarf burials. I I really appreciate that you think about those things, and I liked Carlton helping with that, and also going to warn the wolves ahead of time what was going on. That was probably pretty smart. That was spot on. Travancore experimenting with his wild shapes, which I think is adorable. I'm going to give you a total of, where did I put it? 6,300 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, it will be the morning of Altrek 18. So the second month of the year, the 18th day, the day in where you expect the kobolds to arrive. Oh, guys, I'm really sorry, but the last time we played, it was Bay Day, and I totally forgot. I meant to say something at the beginning. Well, I guess it's Bay Day here, but we were oh. day after Bay Day the last time we played. It hasn't been a full year yet in-game. So, That's true. It has happy, not. Happy belated Bay Day, everyone. Happy or Bay B-Day, Day. as it's called in the actual world. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.